You are listening to Legion of Substitute Podcasters, episode 418, The Superboy Chronicles, the town the time remembered. And welcome to Legion of Substitute Podcasters, episode 418. I am Paul French, and today I am sitting in the parking lot, lad. Um, just to let you know, and the reason that we are once again delaying the continuation of the Magic Wars is I've, I had a, an Ill, illness in the family, and uh, so I'm back and forth visiting at the hospital. Um, I don't want to get too much into it, um, but but anyway, I, I think things are going to be okay. Uh, I'm optimistic, anyway. And uh, so, uh, but I still wanted to make sure you guys uh, had a little something to listen to. And quite frankly, I could do with uh, doing some recording to just keep my mind off the stuff. So this is possibly the most maudlin uh, intro that I've ever done. But uh, it is what it is. And uh, I got a cool story for you today. Two, two cool stories, in fact. Because we are well into, the, uh, into that time in 1980-ish. Let me confirm that. Yeah, late 1980, when uh, comic books went up to 50 cents. It seems quaint now, doesn't it? Um, but uh, what DC did is they did like eight extra pages, uh, these these sort of bonus uh, stories. Um, and uh, it was short-lived, um, but we got a lot of good stuff out of it. There were some cool airwave stories out of that. Um, and in Superboy, they actually had sort of a rotating set of things. So you would get, um, and you know, they, it alternated between Crypto, Super Baby, and uh, The Secret Diary of Clark Kent. Um, so this issue is number 10, and uh, up at the top we have the eight extra exciting pages. Um, New Adventures of Superboy, October 1980 cover date. Superboy finds double trouble in the town that time remembered. And you see Superboy flying out of uh, the Kent's uh, window, which is kind of silly because by this point, and in this book indeed, he had already, you know, he, he'd been using the tunnel for years. Um, so anyway, but he says, what an eerie feeling to start out on patrol and meet myself coming back because as he's flying out the window, there's another Superboy flying up to the house. Also, a Superdog special. Crypto becomes the super watchdog of Smallville. So there you go. So uh, on the splash page, uh, we have uh, Superboy standing uh, in the middle of a deserted looking uh, Smallville Um and as he's standing there thinking, he says, Great, Krypton, I've discovered another Smallville floating in the time stream thousands of years in the far future. It, it's exact in every detail, only it seems to be deserted. I'm completely alone. And of course, as he's saying this, another Superboy is flying angrily up behind him. So, not quite alone, Superboy. You're about to be joined by a startlingly familiar figure for a shocking confrontation which will plunge you deep into the mystery of the town that time remembered. Uh, writer is Carrie Bates, penciler Kurt Schaffenberger, inker Dave Hunt, uh, colorist Jerry Serp, uh, Serpy? I don't know, uh, letterer Ben Oda, and editor Julius Schwartz. So, um, so it's a late summer afternoon, and basically um, he's got some Superboy, finds himself um, with some spare time. And so he says that he's been, you know, for weeks now, he's been thinking about experimenting with the most fascinating but dangerous aspect of his super speed, time travel. So, of course, I'm not by any means 
inexperienced in this sort of thing. I've known it was all possible for years now. And he remembers how the time that he accidentally broke through the time barrier and into the past and future as a frolicking super baby. Says, as I look back on those misadventures now, I realize it was a miracle I ever found my way back to the right space and time. And of course, they're my regular time jaunts into the 30th century to team up with my pals in the Legion of Superheroes. But that's become such a familiar time route that I could probably navigate myself from here to there in my sleep. So he decides, ah, let's try it out. So he, um, you know, approaches the speed of light and breaks through the time barrier, lots of rainbow colors. Um, and the de- decades flash by the 70s, 80s, 90s. Then, as Superboy's speed increases, the decades rapidly blend into fleeting centuries. And he realizes, hey, I must be passing uh, the 30th century now. My supervision has just spotted the Legion headquarters. Um, and there is an editor's note that this adventure took place when Superboy was still an active member of the Legion. Because remember, 10 months ago, he left the Legion. Uh, they sent him back, erased his memory and everything. And um, so we were going to be somewhere around issue 268 of Legion. And uh, so Superboy hasn't been around for a while. And, uh, and we're still a little ways off from the Reflecto Saga, Saga, Saga. And those who know the significance of that will know it. The rest, I won't spoil it for you yet. Um, so he says, I'm really zipping along now. Fantastic future eras are passing by almost as fast as I can focus on them. I just passed the 46th century, and I'm glad to see the human race is still going strong. And he looks at all these different scenes and, uh, you know, domed city, floating city, uh, you know, um, crazy UFOs over the jungle. And then he sees, wait a second, that looks just like... Uh, a regular uh, glimpse of Smallville. He says, looking exactly the way it was when I left it. That's impossible. I'm thousands of years ahead of my own era. So he decides, hey, I can easily spare the time, in quotes, uh, to check it out. So um, so he comes into Smallville and, again, realizes it's deserted. And, uh, and he's looking and he's seeing all of these things. Like, basically, it looks just like the old Smallville. But that's just on the surface. It's made of synthetic elements that don't even exist back in his time. And he says, And their outer surfaces have been camouflaged and treated to appear as wood, glass, concrete, all of the conventional materials of the 1900s. And the buildings are close replicas, but but not quite exact. Um, and so he's uh, trying to figure out, you know, hey, why was this built? And then he sees this grid uh, that, that kind of floats up above, or starts up ab- above. And... Um, and then see, uh, you know, and I guess it's like a walkway or a network of tubes so that people can kind of look around. And then he sees Superboy flying by. And he says, obviously, this Superboy is some sort of ultra-advanced robot, apparently not programmed to see. It was directly in its line of vision, but it displayed no reaction to the sight of another Superboy. And then it um, basically puffs smoke out of the boots, and it seems, uh, yeah, well, there's a malfunction, and it lands badly. And they say, oh, we're having a problem with the Superboy Humatron. Probably the flight control transductors again. And he thinks, hey, I got an idea. And he decides to, at super speed, switch it out and, uh, and take its place. So he stands up and they're like, hey, it's made a remarkable recovery. And they, they, they say, execute a series of aerial somersaults. And, uh, and it does that. And he's thinking, hey, great. They're, they're like, oh, okay, great. Everything's working fine. Cool. Um, and we see a guy, Mr. Desmond, up top, who's, uh, who's ticked. He says, I pay you and Simpson top scale to maintain the Humatron so that they're practically maintenance-free. Uh, yes, sir, Mr. Desmond. We won't fa- fail you, Mr. Desmond. 
And he says, I believe you two have other rudimentary duties to, uh, to attend to, uh, such as activating the rest of the Smallville population. And he stand, and so Superboy's standing there, and the guy's kind of looking him over, and he's wearing, like, you know, kind of a, I don't know, like a conductor's outfit, uh, you know, like a, a sort of carnival. Uh, it's hard to really describe. Um, anyway, uh, red and white, you know, looks you know, with the little epaulets and, uh, and all that kind of stuff. And um, anyway, so Superboy thinks, the way he's openly admiring me, it's almost like a proud father beaming in front of his own son. Whatever R.J. Desmond... R.J.? Hmm, interesting. I uh, was thinking about me right now. He'd be in for quite a shock if he knew his hu Superboy Humatron lies hidden behind some simulated shrubbery, and a double shock if he knew he was staring at the face of the one and only Superboy original. Anyway, so he keeps looking at him, and uh, he's like, I didn't see any harm in uh, filling in for myself. But after all, as we say back home, the show must go on. So, indeed, the show does go on. And you have people, like, tourists basically going and watching. And uh, their tour guide's saying, you know, as everybody knows, the 20th century Superman was the greatest hero of all time in space. Although historical records around abound describing the many feats of the Man of Steel, much less is known about his teen years as a Superboy. Just as an aside, you know, here's the thing with the Legion, right? Like, that, that, this was the kind of thing that, that uh, the Byrne was saying um, in that sort of infamous, me infamous meeting with... Uh, with Levitz was was that you know there's a way around this like we can still say there was a Superboy that inspired the Legion. Um, it's just iffy as to whether or not he could actually join the Legion, and uh, because you know power of myth etc cetera, etc cetera, like yeah, well he must have been uh, doing this when he was a boy too. So um, anyway, uh, you know um, so. Uh, the, lots of meticulous research before this fabulous Smallville Inc. could be completed. And uh, so you see, like, like basically, it looks just like a street scene from uh, from Smallville. You know, people helping others, others cross the road, all that kind of stuff. Now, everybody seems to be happy about this, even the guy with the bullet man hat. Um, but there's one guy who's not enjoying it at all. He's got a pretty dour look on his face. Um, and then they talk about his secret identity and, uh, and how, you know, he... Lived with his adoptive parents, Jonathan and Martha Kent, and so he's walking along with them. There's a bank robbery across the street, job for Superboy, so they cover for him so he can change in the alley. And out he comes, and uh, they fire at him, blah, 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 and he defeats the, uh, defeats the guys. And they say, for it, even at this early age, he was displaying magnificence, which would soon dazzle a universe as Superman. And he says, whew, it's a good thing even, super, uh, even a real Superboy can't blush, or all this overblown praise would leave me with a giveaway red face. So he lands back over at um, at the Kent house and um, into an area that isn't visible by the energy tubes. And he says, according to the script, I'm supposed to land and stand inert here for several minutes to allow my transductors to recharge themselves, what we'd call an intermission back home. And then you get these two um, workers who come by, and it turns out they've got like a mole man drill. And um, they've drilled out of the... Earth, and they say, hey, the Superman Humatron went rigid and shut itself down, just as Pygor told us. Then let's do what we're here to do. Gotta and he's thinking, got to play along, find out what's going on. And they said, hurry, before our ground guzzler is discovered. Oh, I like that. Um, so, they, yeah, basically they decide to take him by burrowing under Smallville uh, instead of over it. And he says, whoever this mysterious Pygor is, I wonder why he's gone through so much trouble to steal R.J. Desmond's prize Humatron. 
And uh, so they take him to this place, and you see like a big ant and a dinosaur um, robot, and uh, and they're basically trying to figure out like how does this thing work? And it turns out it's this guy that we saw in the tour guide in the tour group that didn't look happy. Um, and he says, you know, it, um, he, he, he says, I'll take great pleasure in dismantling this piece by piece until I've asked, uh, mastered every secret breakthrough Desmond has made in our field. But Pygor, are you not equally famous for your robot replicas of interstellar space creatures? And he says, yes, but, you know, to create robotic human replicas as Desmond has done, that's considered the unattainable goal in our profession. Yet somehow... My rival succeeded where the rest of us uh, failed. And he's feeling it at his cheek. And he says, amazing. Not only do his creations look authentic from just inches away, they even feel lifelike and warm-blooded to the touch. So he decides, you know what? I think it's definitely time I did my bit to discourage industrial espionage here in the 52nd century. And uh, by serious, Pygor, I thought I saw the Humatron blink. It's activated itself, and he flies up. And uh, uses heat vision to melt the guy's boots to the f- to the ground, and um, and Pygor's like, oh, it's just a me- mechanical reflex action. And then he's now he's, uh, you you don't serve the objects of the ta- of the attack. There can be no doubt the Humatron is retaliating. So he t- fires up the dinosaur and the giant ant and uh, and sends them after him. And um, and. He can see, says, you know, yeah, Pygor's own robots are nowhere near as advanced as RJ's. He has to operate that console board to orchestrate their every move. And, um, you know, he rips the jaws off the dinosaur, which apparently nobody can withstand the awesome strength of. Um, and so, yeah, he's blown away that, uh, that RJ has managed to simulate the original Superboy's legendary super strength. And uh, then the the ant gets him with the mandibles, but of course Superboy crushes those too, and uh, and he puts the uh, antenna together and shorts the thing out. And now he's got to deal with its master, and uh, Pygor is frustrated. He's it's hopeless. RJ's secret technology is centuries ahead of my own. He was even able to program this Superboy to reason with computerized logic and defend itself with its simulated powers. Why it did everything but talk to me, and then it does. Attention, Pygor. This is Superboy speaking on behalf of R.J. Desmond. Be forewarned. Any further attempts to infiltrate Smallville Land or pilfer production secrets from my master's humatrons will not be tolerated. Does my master make himself clearly understood? And yes, he does. Uh, Pygor says, yep, I will never go near Smallville Land again. So then Clark goes over and he decides to sit and have dinner with, uh, with robot um, Mon Pa. Though, why, why Mon Pa Robot vampire having dinner. I don't know. Because it seems like it's after hours, but who knows. Anyway, so Superboy returned his Humatron double to Chief Parker's office, where the maintenance men are sure to find it, and they'll just assume its malfunction acted up again, and it chose it caused it to wander off for a little while. So he thinks, do I go further into the future, or do I call it a day and go back home to my real parents? And he says, you know, if those Humatrons were really mom pie, I bet I know what they'd be telling me now. This world of ours gives you more than enough problems to deal with in the present, son. Mother's right. I suppose there's nothing wrong with traipsing through time now and then for relaxation, as long as you realize your first and foremost responsibilities are to the people of your own time. And he says, as, as usual, they'd be absolutely right. It's time for me to leave Mr. Desmond's Smallville land where it be- belongs, about 3,200 years ahead of my lifetime. And uh, then you see uh, RJ, and uh, and they say, rest assured, RJ, Superboy will be operating again in time for tomorrow's. And he goes, look, up in the sky. 
And I said, what, what, Mr. Desmond? What did you see? And he says, for a nanosecond there, I thought I saw, ah, never mind. Must have been an over, my overactive imagination. Back to work, man. The world is waiting for Superboy to fly again. And so that's that one. Now we move into the backup story, which is Crypto. And uh, so Crypto and Superboy are playing. And, um, you know, because he usually is off romping through space. And, um, but when he, when he comes back, he wants to play. This one comes to us courtesy of writer Bob Rosakis, artists John Callan and Kim DeMulder, letterer Milt Snappen, colorist Jenny Serpe, Jerry Serpe, and editor Julius Schwartz. So basically, you know, yeah, Crypto's kind of showing off, and uh, Superboy says, well, I got to go out um, to Washington, D.C. on a special mission, and uh, so I'm, I'm taking off, and, um, you know, you keep an eye on, my, on uh, Smallville. So, um, you know, crypto barks in ascent, and uh, and he goes in through this secret tunnel and arrives in the uh, in the Kent's house, and uh, and then um, he goes up and starts yipping at uh, Ma Kent, and she said, and Lana Lang's coming in. He goes, "We can't have you roaming around the house. Hurry, go down in the basement, and she'll realize Clark is Superboy." Well, he's not pleased with this, so he goes downstairs and he figures, "Hey." If I, you know, they'd never do that to my master. He wouldn't have to hide in the basement. He'd just change into his secret identity and, and he gets an idea. He hangs up his, his cape and collar and he uses some, uh, some of Pa Kent's wood stain to dye his fur and some heat vision to, uh, dry the stain and it's back upstairs. So he gets upstairs and, um, and Lana says, oh, Mrs. Kent, I didn't know you'd gotten a dog. And he says, and she's like, why are, uh, what dog? And uh, she's like, oh, that one. He followed, uh, he followed Clark home yesterday. Seems to really like it here. Hello, fellow. What do you call him? Uh, Cri- I mean, way to go, Ma. Uh, I mean, Skip. Yeah, Sk- yes, Skippy. We named uh, uh, after a dog I had as a child. Right, Skippy? And he's thinking, Skippy? Well, at least she didn't call me Bark Kent. <laughs> um, and so he says, well, now I know why my master likes Lana. She tastes good. And, um, and so she, so anyway, so Lana leaves and, uh, and she goes, well, that was quick thinking on both our parts, uh, Crypto or Skippy. If you're looking for something to eat, you'll have to come with me to the store. Jonathan has lots of dog food. So they go back to the general store and, uh, and they, and there's a big tour bus that got there and there's Crypto and she goes, that's our, and oh, he says, watch out, dear, don't let that dog in. She goes, Jonathan, that's our dog. And he says, our dog? Yes. You know, the one that followed Clark home. Oh, of course, I didn't recognize him. Clark must have given him, given him a bath. And, um, and then it turns out Howard Shatt, Smallville's dog catcher and its only vet- veterinarian, he says, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, he says, Howard, being Smallville's dog catcher and only veterinarian, you can't lose, can you? You get the dogs one way or the other. But it turns out, because what he's saying is that your pooch uh, doesn't have a, uh, he says, um, doesn't have a collar. Well, I'm all for people adopting stray animals. You know the law says you must have them vaccinated and licensed. And uh, so he says, I'd hate to write you up a summons for harboring an unlicensed uh, dog. He says, don't worry, Howard, I'll bring him in for his shots. And uh, Skippy's thinking, hmm, I don't like this guy. Dog could starve waiting for service around here. So he rips open a tin can and eats the food. And uh, they're talking about these fancy wristwatches, but they're all gone. And he says, "Uh uh-oh. Says Crypto, Superboy's not going to like it if he finds out Pa's store has been shoplifted right under my nose. So he gets out there and he, to put his super sniffer to work. So he uh, he's looking around and he's trying to find something. And uh, and so they say, well, let's get Chief Parker involved too. He says, the trailer leads to the curb, then stops, which means the crooks left on that tour bus. 
but the bus is already back on the highway. So, and he goes back through the tunnel, changes into, uh, into you know, gets his cape on and burns off the coloring for the Skippy disguise, and off he goes. And they say, there's the bus. My master would sweep it up and carry it in his hands and carry it back to Smallville. Off to do it the canine way. And he goes to, to lift it up with the bumper, but he bites off a chunk of the bumper. So instead, he uses his super breath to float it back there, and he takes it over to the to the police station, and um, and they're saying like, "Well, Crypto brought us here with our with his super breath, and uh, I think he wants us to get off the bus." And Superboy's thinking, "Human detectives use fingerprints to identify a criminal, but my super sensor tells me I've got my watch thieves." And as uh, these two dudes in uh, Hawaiian shirts and uh, and uh, the Chief Parker comes out and says, here now, what's going on? He says, beats me, officer. Crypto just hijacked the bus and brought us all back here. I can't imagine why. We're only innocent tourists. And uh, he says, and he's like, what's the matter, Chief Parker? Can't you see they're guilty? Because, you know, his sniffer knows. Um, but he says, oh, it must be Crypto's idea of a game, like fetch the stick. You folks can get back on the bus and leave. But he uses his, uh, his heat vision and uh, burns out their pockets and all the watches fall out. And, uh, and Pa Kent says, look, Chief, they're the, st- they're the watches, the stolen watches. And they said, what are you talking about? We're watch salesmen. We always carry lots of watches on us. And then Crypto growls at them. And no, no, keep them away from us. We confess, we stole the watches. He says, good job, Crypto. Superboy would be proud of you. And after the thieves have been jailed, um, uh, Jonathan says, I'll tell you, Martha, having a dog with a secret identity is almost as good as, a, as having a son with one. She goes, then you'll agree that... You'll have to admit, Crypto's earned the title, Jonathan. And she says, what title? And he says, what title, dear? And she says, why, Watchdog, of course. Oh, man. That's, um, yeah. Nothing like a good pun to uh, to finish off with. Anyway, so that is the issue. I apologize for a short one this week. I'm hoping things will be back to normal next week and we'll be able to get moving ahead with the uh, with the Magic Wars. And uh, I'm going to do what I can to get us there. Um, I hope you can all understand. And uh hope you enjoyed this episode uh, because it's kind of a fun little story. Anyway, comments, as always, are welcome at legionofsubstitutepodcasters at gmail.com. You can join in the conversation on our Facebook page, which can be found at facebook.legionofsubstitutepodcasters.com. We are also on the Twitter. We are LOSP Podcast. And in addition to all those things, you can head over to our website, legionofsubstitutepodcasters.com, and you can leave a comment on this or any episode. And with that, we make our way back into the time bubble, back from the 52nd century. And I will see you all next week.